The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. No, 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 no. Yeah, start with that. <laughs> G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Um, I'm your host, Mac19, and joining us uh, this evening once again is the lovely Porsche. How are you? Mac of the Decker, how's it going? Good, mate. Good. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, Had a good wow. Week? No, really. No, well, nothing really. It was just yeah. a week. Yeah, just a week. Just a week. Yeah. Just a week. That's mm. fair enough. It's fair enough. Should we get straight into it? Why not? Why, Why not? Then we've, got, then we've got more time to argue about the big issue of the day at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, we will get yep. to that later on, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess first things first, uh, we debated um, the last couple of weeks about whether there would be any more delistings, and there actually has been. Um, yeah. Port has made another delisting, which uh, I guess was sort of equal parts expected, but a little bit out of the blue as well. Um, Paul Stewart makes way after 10 years and 101 games at Port Adelaide. Um, he was obviously a great clubman, very courageous, and, and someone who played basically every single position in the team at some point during his journey. Um, Porsche, does it make sense to, uh, to drop Paul Stewart? Well, yes. Clearly, yes, it does. Um, good on him. He's, he's he's got his hundred up. He's got his ten years up. So he's a life member. Um, everyone thinks he's a good bloke, which is great. Yeah. Um, he's had you know for a footballer at any other club, I'd think good on you, mate. Um, at Port, I kind of disappointed that he only played an average of ten games a year for ten years. Yeah, especially with pick twenty three. I guess he may yep. have under contributed, but that's that might be a little bit harsh as well. Um, if you, uh, I guess if you look at the, the sort of five or six players that went after him, there's there's not really much there either. So it's not like we missed out on uh, anybody um, straight away uh, in the picks after uh, Paul Stewart. But, um, you know, he's had a pretty good career and uh, 10 years. He's had a couple of really good seasons at Port Adelaide. Um, and look, he's played full forward, centre-half forward, forward flank, wing, midfield, centre-half back, full back, back pocket, back flank. He's literally done everything except for ruck. Yep, he has. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is versatility, or that he's a good bloke and he's been given shots in the side. But there you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and be nice. So I'm gonna not say much. <laughs> so what was your favourite uh, Paul Stewart? Which version of Paul Stewart do you like the book? Probably the Primus one. Um, Primus. He actually, yeah, the Primus one. Oh, look, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really like so any... So the third tall really up forward, point. Stewie. Well, I don't know. He, 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 at least at the time, seemed to be filling a role that we needed to fill at that time. Yeah. He certainly um, had a really good year in 2012 playing that role. Um, I, for me, I guess my favourite was probably halfback flank Stewie. I, I really did like him yeah. um, through, I think it was, you know, sort of 09 and, and 10, uh, coming off the back flank. I thought he provided some good run. It was always a pretty good kick of the footy. Um, put his body on the line. Um, and then we tried to turn him into a midfielder, which failed. Then we moved him up forward, and that worked for a year. And, yeah, then he's uh, gone back down back after that. Yeah, I mean, he's a player that... He played every position, but it's because... It's sort of like what could happen to Aaron Young, um, mm. <laughs> realistically, because we just couldn't find one that was the right fit. 
Um, and he kept he kept turning up and being fit at the start of preseason and all those things that you need to do. And you know, um, during I suppose a reasonably dark period in Port Adelaide history, he's managed to play a hundred games. Good on him. Yep. Good on him. Absolutely. Uh, right. So it is our final uh, batch of player reviews for the season. Thank God for that. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long one. I'm really tired of doing them. I know. I know. Um, I just want to talk about bloody uh, juniors, new players. Bring them on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this one's titled The Down and Out. Um, so the first player that we're going to talk about is uh, Ali Paddy Carlisle, um, who I guess we've spoken about a fair bit this year. Uh, he's 29 years old. It was his 11th year at Port Adelaide. Played just the two games uh, before retiring at the end of the season. Um, how much are we going to miss Bobby? Um, well, I don't know. Uh, if Logan Austin continues his current form line, we probably won't. Yep. If he has a bit of a dip in his second year of proper AFL football, which is extremely feasible, he might do, then a lot. Yeah. Um, so, but he certainly, I mean, look, you'd never say he was the exceptional fullback. Like, I can't personally, you might be able to argue with me, but I can't personally think of a season in which I legitimately would say he was clearly an All-Australian or anything like that. Um, or, or, or really in contention for it even. But I reckon as 14, go, he, was, uh, he was really good, really consistent. That was probably his best year. 13 was pretty good yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Then probably something said, like 2010. But yeah, he's yeah. never been in the sort of top echelon of, of fullbacks. But no. I guess um, apart for uh, a couple of years under Primus, he was a pretty consistent performer. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. Um, the thing that's the one thing you can say about Alipati is that he was consistent and he got the games up and he did what he needed to do um, to to get his job done. Which sometimes it was not that difficult, but he beat some pretty big scouts in his day. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I've I've got nothing but fond memories of Alipati Carlo, which is a nice thing. And again, just as we talked about coming through one of the poorest periods in Port Adelaide history, it, it's nice to say there is a couple of players that you don't have any bad memories of. So, good on him. It's hard to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we'll miss him. I think we'll miss his uh, his strength yeah. at fullback. Um, you know, he, he's always been one of those players that can take the gorilla forwards, um, and I'm not sure we've really got that now, uh, that he's gone. Um, obviously, I think uh, Cleary might be the best chance of doing that, like, I think he's probably a bit stronger than Austin. Austin's obviously taller, but um, yeah, it's going to be a new era down back um, next year. Yeah, it will be a new era. Um, and who knows? We might add to our key position defender stocks with Stuart and Carlisle now gone. This is very true. This is very true. Mm. Mm. Uh, the next player that we're going to talk about is Jack Homsch, who is uh, 23 years old, fourth year at Port Adelaide, uh, played 10 games for 11 disposals, four and a half marks, uh, 10 one percenters, and three rebounds a game. Uh, missed the second half of the year through injury, um, but how did you see his first half um, form? Yeah, look, he was pretty good. Um, I don't know. He Look, Homsch, I think, since he started getting regular AFL football, he's been pretty consistent, you know, um, uh, as the third backman, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting him back next year, yeah? Um, but, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, he'll, he'll need to be... This is the awkward thing when you've got a third tall defender that's more experienced than your number one and two. Um, how's that going to work? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think... Um, well, I, I didn't think he had a good year at all, to be honest. I thought he was uh, okay. really disappointing in the games that he played. And mm. I think... There's one thing for sure, and that is that Jack Homsch is not a fullback. 
He's he's not capable of taking the key to the the number one key forward. Um, he's not quick enough, not smart enough. Um, yeah, get, gets out of position. Uh, I think he's absolutely suited to that uh, that third defender role, where he can use his uh, footy smarts to to chop out, um, to intercept, uh, take those marks, uh, rebound, you know, all that sort of stuff that he was doing through. Uh, 2014 and uh, through most of 2015. But yeah, I, I certainly didn't think he was um, showing much form at all um, in the first okay. half of this year. Well, I mean, I think that you don't like to say it, but it is just a fact of list, you know, lists sometimes. I haven't said list management, I just said list management. Um, anyway, uh, Hompsch being not able to play all the year and Trengo being forced into the ruck has actually been really good for our defence. And I think that's probably, if you're looking yeah. for a real positive to take out of our 2016, it's that. Yep. Because now we have some confidence that Austin and Cleary can be those one and two. So when Hodge comes back, as opposed to in the start of the year where he was basically being told, well, we need you to be the number one or two because all we've got behind you is kids. Next year he comes in and it's like, oh, those kids did all right. You're number three now. And he'll be like, Fantastic. Yep. You know, um, I, I think that it's a real upside for him and for our defence next year, uh, the way it's worked out. Uh, it's just a shame it sort of had to come at a personal cost to him, but that's gonna, that's football. So, Well, I think it's going to be best for the team as well, to be honest. Mm. I think um, Logan Austin at full back, uh, Jack Homps in the back pocket, um, Trengove um, at centre-half back. Oh, I do like the look of that. Um, if Trengove's in the ruck, then we can always put Cleary at centre-half back as well. Um, you know, We've I got think options. We yeah. do have options. We've got genuine options uh, going mm. forward, which is um, which is a good thing. Well, I mean, what was it that, like I've said it last week, the first and second best defences for the year in the grand final. So if we've got a, a hugely flexible defence that is ready to play, then, gee, we're looking good next year in that Absolutely. respect. If you, if you, if you want to be positive, which I'm trying to be now, we've traded away our first <laughs> round pick. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going to be positive, and we're going all out because let's face it, we are. Then uh, the fans could be a strong point for us if yep. everyone's fit. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. Um, might as well move on to the next player, which is another oldie, yeah. uh, Jay Schultz. The Schultz are thirty-one years old, seventh year at Port Adelaide. Um, played the seven games this year for ten goals, uh, nine disposals, three marks, one and a half inside fifties a game. Um. Wasn't his best year. Missed about three months with uh, with a big injury mm. after round one, uh, which really sort of threw out the, the whole structure of the team. Came back uh, through the second half of the season and <clears throat> played some sort of intermittent good football mixed with some games where he didn't really get much of a, of a chop at all. Um, and we, again, we say goodbye to Jay Schultz at the end of this season. Yeah, yeah. It's um, look, it's a shame that he sort of fizzled out like that. But on the other hand, it's kind of well, he at least he didn't get a two-year contract last year. So from a club perspective, it's just it's been unfortunate. But he's you know it, he was at the end of his career. Two thousand and two draft he was. So um, to even last as long as he had, what well, starting in two thousand and three, actually playing and then wrapping it up in twenty sixteen, like for a key forward, that's a bloody good run. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So. He's, he's done all right. He's done Especially all right. a key forward that's had so many injuries over the year, and who's oh um, yeah, you know the, the cost of his body has been you know more than most uh, key forwards out there. I think uh, with all the mm. different types mm. of injuries and nearly losing organs and and all this sorts of stuff. So uh, 
Yeah, he's yeah. Um, he was certainly a, a great uh, warrior for Port Adelaide, um, and I think he's always going to be someone that um, people that watched him play through this era uh, are going to remember for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think that um, he's he's definitely. A, I think also just because of it, you could his clear dedication and his ability to carry through pain for the benefit of the club. Like he's the sort of guy that you really would be pretty stoked if he was around the club a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, if 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 there ever if there was a player that you might say like from this year's batch of people leaving that you'd say yeah I definitely do want them around the club. Um, for me it's him. Um, more than Stuart, which might be controversial, but I don't know that it is. Oh, I'd love Schultz to stay on in some sort of development role or mm. something like that. Um, I think he'd be wonderful um, in that sort of role at the club. Um, and I guess the same question is asked with uh, with Bobby. Um, how much are we going to miss him uh, next year? Considering <laughs> we like don't have any key forwards and stuff. Um. Well, yes, we are. Well, it, look, I see. So this is the thing. I feel we're going to do something different in our draft than other people might. I don't I don't think we're going to go like two center square mids and then two key position forwards. I don't think we're going to do that. Um I think we're going to try and fill out a forward Four line flankers. and maybe I reckon we're going to go for half forward flankers, like half forward flankers and um a goal kicking midfielders. So that category there because that as a as a link in our chain on the field, that's clearly our weakest area, like hugely, and it's also our most vulnerable because it's got our most injury prone players in it, in Pollock and White. Realistically, like yep. between them, they're a huge they're eighty percent of that unit almost, uh, and they're regularly injured um, or out of form. Uh, Amon's come in and he's all right, but he's still patchy. I reckon we're going to go pretty heavy on those guys. I reckon probably three of the picks will probably be that, okay. and I reckon our first pick. I reckon our first pick is going to be Griffin Logue, but we'll get to that in future podcasts. Griffin Logue. Okay, mm. that's, uh, that's an interesting call, but I like it. So I do like Griffin uh, Logue. That, that's not that's not a that's not a my personal choice call, but I think it's the one that the club will be thinking with these with with Alipati Carlisle going and Paul Stewart going. I think they'll be thinking they can justify bringing in a guy that might be a midfielder, but it's definitely a key position back one. But anyway, let's get back to the talking about Jay Schultz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm finished with Jay Schultz. So mm. sorry, Jay. <laughs> Sorry, mate. All done. What a warrior. I'm, I'm certainly going to miss him, that's for sure. Absolutely. Good on him. Keeping on the uh, the theme of uh, key forwards, we've got uh, Johnny Butcher, who's uh, 25 years old. It was his seventh season at Port Adelaide. Played just the three games, kicked five goals, averaged uh, 11 disposals and four and a half marks. Also kicked 37 goals in 16 SANFL games for the season as well. Um, I guess... <laughs> Looking at things as a whole, where did it all go wrong for Johnny through his career? Probably around 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably about, yeah, about 2012, I'd say, about then. Um, yeah, look, he, uh, look, if we're going to be realistic, probably the time it went wrong was when he got injured in his draft year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it took anything out of him or if it just meant he was constantly a step behind. Um, I don't know if the, we were overconfident in him because of his prior performance and he could have actually done with a bit of support uh, around him playing the same role so we weren't all saying the future, the future, the future, butcher, you know. Um, I don't know if there's any expectations. Like the expectations on him were bloody huge. Let's let's be honest. The oh. expectations we had were like we, he was going to be our next tread rate, right? So I um, reckon that's hard I for would an 18-year-old. Oh, absolutely. I would say... <laughs> 
I would go as far as saying there's been no other player at Port Adelaide that's had as high expectations on him than John Butcher. I agree. Like, you know, Hamish Harlett's our highest draft pick, but I don't think I ever had anywhere near, or anyone ever had anywhere near the same expectations of him as they had of John Butcher. The the excitement of John Butcher of getting that key forward that we desperately needed in that yep. draft to uh, yep. to take over from Treadray. Um, and, and I guess watching him all that draft year and, and knowing that, you know, he was a chance to go in the top sort of two picks and sort of fell down and we were all hoping that he was going to get to our pick and he did and we picked him and it was just happy days. And then he got injured and then he had that huge game and that, that six kick, six goals game in his, uh, in his second AFL game. And it was just hype overdrive which, which, from which, there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And from there, yeah. it was just expectation central and... Unfortunately, uh, for him and for the club, it just didn't happen. Yeah, and in in some ways, it's like for Bowen Lockwood, like Bowen Lockwood did everything he could, and he, he was crueled by injury, and so that's kind of why it all went wrong. But with Butcher, like he had injuries, sure, but there are also a lot of times he could have had a crack, and he just didn't demand the spot. Yep, uh, and that. And that's a different kind of that's a different kind of hurt, I think, <laughs> a different kind of hurt because he, <clears throat> I reckon, he would still feel that he could have been a really good player. Yeah, I, I don't know if it just his if the toll that his body took in terms of his hip injuries and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff that it, it just got in, on his mind a bit too much and he just wasn't able to uh, build his body up and get that core strength and, and develop as, as we all uh, thought he would. But look, he had some really good games and gave us some really good memories as well, I guess. And, uh, you know, it, it just didn't happen for him. And look, he, he always played some pretty good games at SANFL level but could never really put... Um, some consistent form together until this year. He, he actually did this year, played some excellent games at SNFL level and still didn't really get a look in, um, despite the fact that uh, we were running half a forward line for half the year as well. So um, oh, I'm happy that he got to finish with uh, with such a big game against Brisbane in his second last game. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as the butcher form, like if you're a 25-year-old getting AFL training for your, what, seventh year in a row and you're dominating the SNFL, like that's that's a really, that's a baseline. Um, just I just wanted to dispute that little fact there. Like, yeah, he, he had good SNFL form, but it was not like an indicator that he was going to be amazing. It just meant that he was in, theoretically, his career peak and he was playing well in the SNFL. Yeah. Mm. Yep. All right, moving on. Oh. And the next player is Tom Jonas, who's a 25 yeah. years old, sixth season at Port Adelaide, played nine games for 12 disposals, three and a half marks, eight one percenters, and two and a half rebounds. How did you see his year? Can I ask first, like that contract extension of adding getting three years, was that official? Like, has that actually happened? I'm not even sure if it's actually happened, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think I've, any, <laughs> I've actually seen anything official from the club about that. No, it was just Rucci, I hope. Ah. <laughs> uh. It might yeah, still well, anyway, happen, but I, I don't think I've actually seen anything anywhere that uh, that it actually did happen. Might be a secret one. Um, look, uh, I, I think his season obviously was very indifferent, and he got suspended. What a shock! And he didn't do much. And you know, we talk about Alipati Carlisle with him having injury knock him out, knock him out, and with um, Holmes having injury knock him out, and how that made the team better. Like Jonas made the team better just by not being in it. <laughs> Um, he's been in terrible form this year. I, I don't like him at all. I'm going to disagree again with that. And I'm okay. going to actually say that I thought Tom Jonas, pre-suspension, uh, um, was probably having his best year since 2014. Like, I thought he had actually oh. improved. He was 
consistent. He was beating his opponent. Wasn't doing a single thing with the ball, but um, yeah. he was actually defensively a hell of a lot better than he was last year. Look, I mean, I tried. I, I stuck up for him to get a second go after last year, and he everyone was shit canning him because he was not having a good season. And he eventually got dropped, and yada yada yada. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think he was. I don't. Th- I don't think he improved enough. That I'm thinking he's a player that we can rely on. And then when he got suspended, it was like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like his leadership group, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well. As I said, I thought he was performing. Well, I thought he was actually mm-hmm. pretty decent. I think um, okay. I actually had him fourth, sitting fourth in the best and fairest at the time that he got suspended. Um, yeah. I was probably the only one that had him that high, mind you. But um, Paddy on the uh, on the Spreaker Chat agrees. He said uh, Jonas was very good before the suspension as well. So thanks, Paddy. Uh, checks in the Maybe mail. Maybe I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, really look, it. If he does end up getting this uh, alleged three-year deal, is it warranted? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no. Because he's he's well, where he's at. You know, it would he's be a, a strange halfback. move. It would be a really a strange decision. He's a halfback flanker who is inconsistent as much as you say he's doing well, uh, and he gets suspended um, as part of the leadership group. He is a replaceable player, you know. He's a third. He's a third tall defender, effectively. Um, and we've already just said we're getting Homsch back. Um, yeah. He he could even be depth at times this year, although he won't be because he's in the leadership group. Yada yada. Um, I, I think that it would not be a good move. I think that he might get two, and I might be able to live with that. But I'd actually be pretty if he had one clear contract and then one based on performance, yeah. uh, which might include things like not getting suspended for three or four weeks. Yeah, I might be okay with that one. That would probably be what I'd be going for. Oh, look, in a perfect world, I would offer him one year with a trigger for a second year. That's that's yeah. what I would do. I think that Me would too. be fair, but um, no one's going to offer that. <laughs> I think um, if he gets a, a flat two-year deal, I think that would be good. Three years is uh, certainly pushing it because, look, mm, too much. He, he, even though I thought he was pretty good this year, he is teetering on the edge of oblivion, I think. Um you know he's a, he's a slow, too short key defender, um, and even though he's uh, more than capable of, of of doing other roles, as he's shown before, hasn't really done many of those roles um, in recent times. Um, and look, I, I can certainly see him being a player that um, has a has a poor year in the first year of a three year deal, and then yep. we're stuck with him for another two years. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like his twenty fifteen, it's like a Nick Holland same... deal or something like that. His 2015 put him in the exact same category as a Hamish Hartlett, who has down years, yeah? yeah. Um, you know, up until then, Jonas had been reasonably consistent, but as soon as he had that down year, for no really apparent reason, um, then that puts him in the we-can't-trust-you-with-long-contracts category, yeah? Because yeah. it's not like, he missed, not like he had huge injuries. Um, no. That's just form. That's just form. Mm-hmm. And if you've if you got up-and-down form, you don't get the long contracts or the big ones. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. Um Final player for the season that we're going to talk about. Mm. Matty White, um, the forgotten man, 29 years old, third year at Port Adelaide, played one game, got two touches, got injured in the first quarter of round one, and that was his year, basically. Um, Also played four games uh, late in the year in the SNFL, kicked two goals. Um, How much did we miss uh, Matty White this year? So much, but Mm. it's really hard to convince people of that because it's been so long since we've seen him playing well. (laughs) Um, it's 
he's hugely important to our side um, just because he play, fills that role that we are weak in, like I already mentioned. Um, he is a great link man going forward of centre, in my view. Like, that's the peak thing for me. It's, as soon as he's forward of centre, like, he's a good component of that, or even coming maybe from half back towards the half forward. He's got good disposal, he's got good pace, he's got good instincts. Um, and we didn't get to see any of it this year at a time when we really needed to. Um, and Pollock didn't step up, and Amon, he had a crack. And MP did all right, but he only really came good later, and he was surely still a little bit inconsistent. Um, it's a huge weakness in our side. If he comes back and he's in good form, then he'll be a welcome inclusion. But I, I honestly do think that we'll be drafting for his position. And if he has a slow recovery, then that might be his last year, next year, I think. Yeah. He did get a contract. Um, look, he, I think he's super important for Port Adelaide, and we did certainly miss his run and carry and goal-kicking ability this year. Um, he's got a very good win-loss record since crossing the port. I think it's something like 27 wins, 14 losses. Um, so yeah. when he plays, we, we win more often than not. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real shame that he went out so early and then just couldn't get fit again for the rest of the year. And Yep. Um, yeah, what contract did he sign earlier this year? Was it a two-year deal or was it a one-year deal? I have no idea. I hope mm. it was not a two-year deal. I have a feeling it might have been a two-year deal. Not, Maybe not, I'm just making injured. that up. Hope Maybe so. I'm just in that sort of theory in my head now that we just give out long-term deals to everybody. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. it feels it feels like um, we should automatically assume that any deal that we think is reasonable has been a year added to it. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, mm. So where does he fit next year, do you think? Um, oh, it is really a one-year deal. So he did sign until the end of next year. Okay, well, yeah, then this next year's crunch year, and he doesn't get an extension until he plays the, basically round 22, in my view. Like, he's a he's an end-of-year, okay, how's he going? Um, because of his injury record with us, it doesn't matter what he did in Richmond, he's got a huge injury record with us. He's an underheight player coming towards the end of his career. Um, if he has lost a bit of that speed... He could have lost his entire game in the whole in the, all in one go. So oh, for sure. he's got to, he's he's got to work really hard on recovery. He's got to perform as much as he can. He's got to be consistent. He's got to keep his head and he, you know he's got to produce for us because if he doesn't produce for us, then next year will definitely, in my view, definitely would and should be his last year. Oh, for sure. If if he plays, look, if he plays less than ten games and he's not getting another contract, I'd say even go as far as saying if he plays less than fifteen games. He's probably not getting another contract next year. Like he needs to deliver uh, next year. He needs to stay fit. Um, if he doesn't, yep, his spot on the list is absolutely in jeopardy. It probably depends which fifteen. Like if two of them are finals, um, then he might be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the that's the uh, the player reviews over for two thousand and sixteen. God for that. Let's brush it aside and uh, concentrate on next year now. So, on to some questions, um, and look, we've got uh, we've got some great ones, and look, the the question of the day has to come from Mr. Speaker, um, and it is, uh, has there ever been a good reason to put a schnitzel on top of chips? Now, I was very vocal on this on the thread, so in theory yeah. I don't need to be again now, mm. but I'm going to be. Absolutely never, ever, ever should a schnitzel be served on top of chips. Because, first of all, plate might be cold. Second thing, chips, they're not that dense. They lose heat quickly. They don't retain it. They're not baked potatoes. They're flimsy chips. 
you try and cut through your schnitzel and you're crushing the chips. You get the weird little mushy effect. And if it's like a, a chicken parmi or something, it might even be dripping on the chips. Then all you've got is basically mash with a bit of fried stuff in it. Absolutely, absolutely moronic. Absolutely moronic to serve like that. Any place that does, never go there again because they don't get it. That's that's a cardinal sin, and I'm someone mm. that hasn't had a chicken schnitzel for seven years. I, I'm more a fan of uh, schnitty on chips than chips on schnitty, to be honest. And and you say that they lose their heat, but uh, putting the schnitzel on top of the chips would actually retain the heat in the chips. No, no, it just makes them soggy. Um, no, it, it doesn't have... make them soggy. It, that depends. Well, okay, let, let me put it the, this way. The sogginess of the chip depends on how the chip is cooked, not whether there's a schnitzel hanging on top of it or not. Well, it depends on how drippy the schnitzel is as well. But first of all, if the chips are on top, they're still going to get ambient heat from the schnitzel if you do decide to put them on top, although I prefer them a little bit on the side. Mm. So if you want to serve them that way, and then you can part like the Red Sea, the chips on top of the schnitzel and carve a way for Moses and his people to get through. Um, and that's really the best way to go, to go apart from a bit of chips on the, bit of chips on the side with a, a, a warm plate. That's what you want. Chips on the side, yeah. Ultimately, you want a larger plate, schnitty there, chips on the side, piss off the salad, and put whatever, yeah, if you're having gravy with it, have it in a little uh, gravy jug next to it. That's that's how it's it's got to be done. And it's got to be a proper warm plate, like, you know, a little bit hot to the touch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyone that's, I'm not even sure if pubs warm up their plates more often than not. No, that's the problem. I don't think they actually do, and that that is an actual problem. That is a big problem. Um. But yeah, schnitty wars, hey? Um, so what, yeah. uh, if you were to have a schnitzel, what type would yep. it be? Um, chicken, it'd be. Chicken. Uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm all about the chicken and schnitty. Toppings. I like a basic palm, basically. Um, mm-hmm. a bit, although I like it if it's got a bit of ham on it as well. Like That's my weird combo. Like, not weird, but, you know, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a bit of a heathen like there. That. I like that. Little, little bit, just a little sliver of ham on top, and then the sauce, and then the cheese, and it's got to be nice and wet and drippy, and yeah, yeah. If you're going to indulge, like, just go nuts. Like, it's the same as if you have a a euros a, a slash suva, and you've got to have lots of garlic sauce, right? So if you're going to have a schnitzel, you know it, you shouldn't eat it, but if you're going to do it, might as well do it right. So yeah. yeah, it's the ultimate comfort food and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yep. uh, Mr. Speaker has also asked the question: Is it humanly possible to not like the taste of garlic? I don't think so. I think that the people that say they don't like garlic are lying because they want to seem different. And they, I, I think they're more worried about uh, garlic breath as opposed to anything else. I think, I think oh. everybody likes garlic, but there's a small portion of people that go, yeah, but I, I don't want to have the garlic breath after, so I'm just going to say that I don't like garlic. I, I kind of feel and like And they're people that someone... you should not converse with. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I kind of feel like if you're someone that thinks that garlic breath is going to be the difference between people talking to you or not, then you've probably got other things to work on. Um, <laughs> realistically, like, you know, maybe you have more interesting stories or don't talk about your cat all the time or something like that. <laughs> I don't think the garlic breath is going to be high on that list yeah. if, if you're that person. For sure. <laughs> uh, Dylan on the speaker chat has said garlic lies are the worst kind of lies and uh, Dylan speaks the Absolutely. truth as usual it, it's uh, true it's true very true uh, Power Girl has asked uh, who else will get shown the door before the season starts um, I think it's going to be 
Oh, I don't know. Cause I'm going to say no it, one. I don't think anyone else will. I don't think they will because of our concern for player welfare, um, <laughs> which I, I say a little bit cynically, but because I feel like our concern about club welfare hasn't been really worried about too much this year. Um, realistically, what we should be doing is at the end of the draft, we should say, okay, well, it looks like we did draft a halfback flanker, so let's piss one off. Yeah? Hmm. But the reality is that when you're talking about the sort of players that we'll be listing who are probably on a bit of a packet, um, then suddenly they're in a position where, oh, they go into the pre-season draft or as a DFA. But post-draft, every club's filled their salary cap for next year pretty much, so they probably just end up not playing. Like, I don't reckon, you know, players delisted last minute. I don't think they get a shot at AFL level anymore. They used to like five, six, seven, eight years ago, but now they don't, you know. Those late delistees, they're gone pretty much every time. I can't think of an exception. As in, like, players drop now or a little bit later on? Players dropped after, players dropped after the national draft. God, how often does that happen, though? Exactly. That's what I mean. That, 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 <laughs> like, the, the only player I that I can remember that... that actually happening to is Jeremy Clayton, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, look, it's really rare, but realistically, clubs should probably consider doing it more, particularly clubs that do best available recruiting because they yeah. don't know what player types they're going to come out of it with. So... And you are actually allowed to do it. Like You are actually allowed yeah. to delist yeah. after the national draft. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean about the player welfare thing. Like, it's just that the only reason we don't do it, like, if we were a ruthless club, the, we would The AFLPA totally would, would crack the shits these days. Well, then maybe they get rid of the preseason draft and that'd help us, so that'd be good too. Yeah. <laughs> True. I don't think we're going to drop anyone else. I think this is it. I think we've dropped Stuart to make way for Cracker on the senior list, which I'm not a fan of, but um, looks like that's going to happen, so... I, I don't know. I, I would, like, I'm at the point where I would just rather take that later pick into the draft. Really? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'd, I'd rather delist Nathan Cracker and uh, take that pick in the draft. Absolutely. Do it. But uh, they're not going to. So, bad luck. Shame. Okay, well, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mean delist. I don't necessarily think delist Nathan Cracker, considering he would be effectively, like you described, I think, for someone else, he'd effectively be our fourth rookie pick. Um and we're not likely to do better with a fourth rookie pick. But, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be elevating him if it meant we could get basically what is an effective pick one in the rookie draft by drafting a young guy before they all go, you know? Very true. Uh, Sleazy has asked the question, do you think the Hawks are making salary cap room to make a play for Fife? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm confused by the Hawks now. because well, I, don't think, feels... I don't think they've cleared much salary cap room at all. To be honest, like Amir is apparently getting oh. seven hundred grand. Like Mitchell would be on at least five hundred. Vickery was offered what four hundred or something. I don't, I don't think they've cleared much cap space at all. Um, I, I think with Amir, I suspect because he's a draft, he would would have been a draftee when he signed that contract or close to it, like a you know a new player. He was probably pretty heavily front loaded, so it might be there's not actually a huge amount of salary attached to him now that he's at Hawthorne, which might be part of why Gold Coast was such um, sticking out so much to get. Precisely what they wanted in way of trade. I'm not. I'm not convinced mm. that the no, they've reckon... offered him 700 grand. Well, that's his contract. Oh, really? Right? Have they actually? Oh, okay. 700 grand a, well, a year is his average contract. In that case, I don't know. I mean, I guess Lewis might have been on a lot. And L- Mitchell, Lewis and Mitchell but... would have been on a lot, but they've replaced yeah. them with players that are also on a lot. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I think. I mean, I guess now we have to say that you know rather. Than... But if they would. I don't, you see, I don't know. Like for me, it just feels like if they were actually trying to hang on to have another crack, then why not just stick with Lewis and Mitchell? Yeah. Yeah. 
But the way they've done it, they've brought in, I suppose, younger versions, but they've weakened the side and they've given themselves salary cap headaches and it might not work. And they've used all their draft picks. They're really (laughs) Which the AFL cocked up, apparently, today. They said they cocked it up, so... Probably. Well, look, I mean, they rolled the dice. They've rolled the dice big time on this trade period and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens to Hawthorne next year because there's a very reasonable chance that they'll drop significantly. Yeah, it's very possible, I think. Mm. Especially I think if Amira so. doesn't get back to playing any sort of uh, consistent footy. I think it's a hell of a lot of uh, cap space to spend on someone that um, you know that hasn't played a game for two years. I mean, it's uh, a massive risk, but hey, if they want to yeah. take it. Fair enough. I reckon there might be value in um, betting on Hawthorne to not make the eight. Yeah. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's possible. Definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, Johns has asked the question, is Paul Stewart the leader of the played his best footy under Primus gang? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I would say, well, considering that gang consists <laughs> of, uh, what, Paul Stewart, Darren Pfeiffer and Jared Irons, um, I would say <laughs> probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's not many others. <laughs> He's no, that played the right. best footy under him. Oh dear. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, Total Power has asked the question: <clears throat> uh, What are your thoughts on our key position forward situation, and uh, how can we provide relief to Charlie so that he doesn't have uh, to battle against three opponents all the time? Uh, I don't think he gets key... Well, this is, comes back to what I was just saying earlier. I don't think he's going to get key position forward support in this draft. I think he might get... He, if he's lucky, he might get leading forward support, which is different. Like, I don't think he'll get like a yeah. genuine key position target. I think he might get like a, a, a pacey guy that can be a bit of a lead-up, and he'll get Monfrey's back, so that'll help him. But what I do think he should be hopefully looking forward to is an improvement in delivery and system of delivery, which I think is going to do more for him than just having more tall bodies in the forward line. Um, he needs, you know, the only way he's going to get separation is if there are other legitimate targets, no matter who they are. And also if the delivery comes to him in a way that he can actually deal with it. Um, yeah. So I think that's going to impact his game more than drafting another key forward. Yeah. I think our key position forward stocks are a dire, to be honest. Oh, yeah, they got are. got a 50-50 Dixon. We've got a, an old West off and an injured Howard. And look, To be honest, I'm expecting Ryder to play a lot of footy up forward next year, to be honest. I, in fact, I'm going to say that um, I reckon the lo- my line for Matty Lobie is going to be 17 and a half games, and I reckon he's going to go over it. I reckon we'll play Lobie in the ruck for much of uh, the season, much to everyone's uh, chagrin, I reckon. Um, and this is why I'm, I would be pretty happy if we did end up landing um, Todd Marshall in the draft. And look, if we go down the path of picking Brett Eddy and, as a rookie pick, um, as a bit of a stopgap, then uh, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm calling all the wrong shots this year. So, um, well, not the wrong hot shots, the shots that Ford aren't taking. Um, so I'm going to say that we shouldn't worry about key position forwards in this draft because they're not that great or that certain. Um, and really just work on mosquito fleeting it with the Charlie Dixon in the middle um, okay. for next year yep. and then addressing that progressively over con- uh, consecutive seasons. You know, I, I don't think, like, at the point where we want to compete, yeah, we want to compete and we, we're trying to get Ken Hinckley his job extended, right? We're trying to get a final series so that the club uh, members don't revolt. So that's what we're aiming for. 
Um, just bringing in, you know, a, an 18-year-old key forward, I don't know if that's going to help anything. And bringing in Brett Eddy, like, maybe, probably not. I, I don't know that it's really a huge... I don't know that it's, there's... I don't, I don't think it's the way that we can get the best result for next year. I think we'll get the best results for next year by doing pretty much what we did this year because we already know how to do it. And that's play a bunch of small guys around Charlie Dixon. Um, he'll bring the ball to ground and hopefully we'll have some more informed small guys and more small guys that are fit and also maybe a couple more of those guys on the list that can be pacey or lead up forwards. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens come draft day. Obviously, we've got a lot of draft podcasts um, coming. Yeah, I'll be right. So we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that um, in the in the coming weeks as well. Uh, Total Power has also asked... Um, there's also a lot of talk about the new membership package pricing that they've gone mm. up a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, when you've got a reserve list, you'd make the money. <laughs> yep. That's really all it comes down to. When you when you got when you got people waiting for the tickets, then you take the punt and you say, "Oh, we're going to take a little bit more from you because we reckon you'll pay it." Because you can see that if you decide to reduce or drop off this year, you might not get back on. So mm. deal with it. Look, the the, uh, the Albert and Crowd page on on Facebook. There's uh, there's quite a few unhappy people on there about it, and I've got to say, look, just some people are whinges. <laughs> Simple as that. And look, yeah. I, I don't need a scarf or a hat every year to buy a membership. Like, I've got probably eight scarves and about twelve hats. Like, I don't need more hats and I don't need more scarves. I buy a membership because it helps my club. It gives the club money, goes some way towards making us better, and hopefully towards winning us a premiership. That's why I buy memberships, not because of a, some fucking hat. Well, and but the other thing is that, like, I, I bet none of these guys were paying a bit extra when we had a price freeze for years because we were shit, yeah? Like, I bet they weren't yeah. necessarily saying, oh, well, I'll make up the difference of the price rise we would have had this year. Yeah. Oh, they weren't doing that. I mean, they might have gone to the Port Club an extra time, but there's not a lot of profit in that for the club. Um, so, you know, it's just market forces. It's every professional sport. And if you don't like that, then maybe you don't really want to follow professional sport, you yeah. know? And guess what? We're still pretty much the cheapest uh, season ticket in the AFL, even though it's gone up by a massive $10 this year. Big bloody deal, like honestly. And you're getting good seats too. Like I can tell you over here in Melbourne, like if you're a a D's fan, your best seat is on like a half forward flank, yeah? Like if you've got that membership, and that's bloody expensive. Mm. (laughs) I don't have that one. Well, people are complaining so, because yeah. the, the the silver membership's gone up to like three hundred and five dollars. Well, you yeah. know what? The the crow silver membership is uh, four hundred and sixty seven dollars, and look, they get a hat. So if you want a hat for one hundred and sixty seven dollars, go for your life. Go and buy one for one hundred and sixty seven bucks. <laughs> you can even buy some of those fancy track pants for that amount. <laughs> mm. Some sometimes I think people just need to take a bit of a step back, have a look across the whole AFL of what everybody's paying, and realize you know what. We've actually got it pretty bloody good as Port fans. Yeah, definitely. Look, certainly it's upgraded enormously from Footy Park. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy Beercans has asked the question, do we need more than one mature age rookie lister? Um, I'm not... Well, for me, okay, this is where differing, Mako, this is where we're disagreeing. I'm happy with keeping Cracker on as our senior rookie list player. And then I want Ruckman. I want Ruckman and maybe a key 40 type as our rookies. So, yeah, I just want one. I don't want a Brett Eddy on our rookie list. I've given up on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not... How many rookie picks are we actually going to have this year? 
Well, I reckon all four, yeah. Because I, 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 I still reckon because we're going to get rid of the couple we of keep... ones we got. So. Mm. Well, surely that would have been done by now. Surely. But <sighs> if we're going to get rid of bloody Cameron Hewitt and Dan Houston, surely that's something that you announce like on the first day that you can delist people. Well, I mean, the difference between... Again, we're talking about delisting post-national draft, I guess. But the difference between that... Um, um, delisting like a Paul Stewart post-national draft and delisting a rookie post-national draft is that post-national draft, like their salary wouldn't change if another club wants them. Hmm. Um, so, that, they're, they're, you know, if, you, or if you've got a rookie draft left and the guys that have been delisted, they want a rookie spot or they're going for a rookie spot, then that's not a big impedance in their ability to get on one. Yeah. Um, if there are other clubs that actually are interested and if we're delisting them, they probably aren't. So hmm. That's fair. That's all the questions I've got. Um, okay. For this evening. Well, good. So a bit of a shorter one tonight, but that's uh, that's all right. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think it's a bit of a shorter one because we were planning for Rick to be here, and you know, we, with Rick here, we would have gone for another half hour for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about his underpants or something, that'd be great. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's up next in Port Fan Radio World? We've got What's some... up next in Port Fan Radio World? Well, next, uh, we'll have to discuss this, um, the okay. date. Um, the date I've got is next Monday, but I'm not actually going to be able to do it next Monday. So it might be next okay. Tuesday. Right. Uh, Tuesday the 1st, we will be doing um, the first batch of Vic Country players. Yeah. Um, and oh, we're not, a... doing... we're not doing one this Thursday? No, no. Okay. Apparently not. We can do it this Thursday if you want. No, I'm not fussed either way. I just thought we were doing it on a Thursday because I think we said we were doing it on a Thursday last week. But okay, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. But looking at the schedule that we did, um, there's actually a, a gap this Thursday. Um, so we can right. fill it with that and then have the gap ne- early next week instead. Nah, nah, let's do it all next week. And oh, make, we'll we'll, we'll get week. people anticipating the draft oh, ones because they're, they're already they're already champing at the bit on the forum, you know. Oh, they are. It's going to be what? Oh, they're ready. They're ready. And they can, ready. you can all wait a little bit longer. They're yeah. ready for Brett Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, we'll be doing the, uh, the, uh, the first batch of uh, Vic Country draftees uh, next Tuesday. Uh, cool. So make sure you tune in for that. Yeah, um, good. there's uh, certainly some interesting players in that group. Um, we'll be talking about Will Brody, uh, Josh Battle, um, Cedric Cox, Alex Witherden, um, who are some names that um, have been bandied about for Port's picks. So definitely, um, yeah, it should be interesting. I agree. It's going to be thrilling. It will be thrilling. It's going to be a, a, a cavalcade of amazing. Thrills. Yeah. speculation that is not really all that ball-based compared to what recruiters do, but we'll have a go. That's it. Absolutely. And on that note, I guess we say can the pear. Can the palmy. Oh, sorry, can the pear. Can the palmy. Can the palmy. <laughs> you said palmy! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> and Mackie, you should know by now that I'm an antagonist. You are. Absolutely. <laughs> by Broadbent through the middle of the ground. Now a long kick down in the Paul Stewart direction. He marks and plays on. He keeps his footing. Got away from Ferrito to put...